I watch film, but I'd be honest, I mean, when I first started watching film, I was just watching the game. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host, at NFL. Give us a follow on Twitter, and of course, follow the group, at UK Packers. And as usual, well, not really as usual, because it's kind of a new thing around now, isn't it? Fridays? Fridays, yeah, Fridays. Um, you don't normally invite me along, do you, is, is the problem. Yeah. That's fine. I'm not bitter about it. Which is why you weren't prepared. <laughs> I, I took, I'm not bitter at all. I, uh, I took a call from Ryan today, and uh, you had no shirt on so i caught him effectively coming back from a good dogging sesh what's with that rhino well actually i was on the way back from basketball and the shirt was soaked through let's say mm-hmm. and i didn't want it getting all over the car so just you know, lo- that's, that's what happens <laughs> i'd love to see a seven foot baldy beardy man with more hair on his chest than he has on his head pulling up beside me in traffic i don't know what that is scared to be jesus at a minute well, maybe if you uh, play your cards right, it might just happen. <laughs> oh, God. Sounds like a threat. Use Londoners, those are always very violent. But come here, uh, the reason that we're on uh, talking stuff before the history podcast, this is the announcement that everyone's been waiting for. This is the UK Packers Lambo trip of 2007. Well, hey. And I'm sorry, I'm like, you know, where Peter or Homer or one of those. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So, look, dude, dude, dude. What's that? You, you just said it was the UK Packers trip of 2007. Did I? So, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I mean, carry on. Be, you know, probably nobody will notice. <laughs> that's upsetting. I think I'm senile. But I have to keep it down. And maybe that's what I was getting distracted by. It's 2017, by the way. No time machines included in the price. Um, I have to keep it down because it's late. And I keep shouting on the podcast. And it keeps waking the baby up. And then I'm in the doghouse then. So, have to curb my enthusiasm. But come here to me. We've announced that our tour... Now, a bit of a caveat, because you know we like to talk shite before and keep people stringing along for ages. A bit of a caveat. So this is the official tour, but we can also, uh, if people can't go on this trip, organise, you know, other games weeks that you just want to go to. So don't be too disappointed if it doesn't meet up with expectations, because um, we did have people looking to go to the Bengals-Bears weeks. Yep. But Ryan, that's what we were saying, right? Is that people crib on about that that's what they want. And then we go, yeah, sure, it's like 17,000 euro. Are you in? And they go, no, I can't pay that. So it's very hard to afford, you know, 10 days in Green Bay and two games and all that yeah. sort of lark. So we haven't chosen that one. Yeah, that's true. But if you guys want it and, and you want to go on that, you can still use all our discount codes. And, yeah. that's, and that's the beauty of it. You can go to any game you want. So in fact, if you just want to go on your own or you've got friends out there or whatever it might be, yeah. um, then you can go to any game at any point in the season, um, you know, even November, December, January, when you're going to freeze your butt off if that's what you want to do. And you can still use our discount codes. Um, so that that's the beauty of it. But, yeah, we've decided on an absolute corker, in my opinion. I'll let you tell the guys which, which one we're going for. Oh, tasty. I get to give the announcement. But the code, by the way, is INTPAC17. So it's International Packers Weekend is what we're calling it because that's what we're trying to coordinate. So INTPAC17. The sports operator is sportstraveltours.com forward slash UK. So go to the UK variant and you can click on NFL, yada, yada, yada. But let me get to the announcement. It's the season opener it's week one against seattle seattle at lambeau field oh dear holy lama jesus ryan that's going to be a clanger of a game the return of eddie lacy 
right? I mean, this is, is, is uh, yeah, and it's um, an unbelievable matchup. And over the last few years, this has become one of the main matchups in Green Bay's recent history, hasn't it? I mean, yeah. there's the fail Mary, there's the game we shall not talk about in uh, with the onside kick. Yep. You know, there's so many. And then, of course, the, there was the one this, the, this last season where, where we blew them away. But mm. there's so many good moments in this. There's so much almost sort of bad blood as well I feel oh, yeah. there's there's like Green Bay certainly are never going to forget that that call by the referees and so this has become a really good matchup uh, not only that but just throw in as well it's the season opener week one um, the, you know the, the excitement around the place is going to be unbelievable and we get to watch a, a top quality game and yes we see the return of Eddie Lacey where we'll even know if we made the right or the wrong decision as he goes flying down the field <laughs> as our run defense sucks but this is the thing is that our run defense last year was stout let's see if we can bring that back they've got you know pro cease they've got eddie lacy you know some really top quality uh stuff going on in the in the run game in seattle of course there's russell wilson uh who is one of the best quarterbacks in the league you know like it or lump it uh you know you've got some top quality receivers on their end then you see how we match up against them you get to see richard sherman in the flesh you get to see richard sherman mark two in kevin king for us will he start will he not start a-Rod's first game he blew them away last season will it happen again I mean there's so much to this game it's incredible but let's give people a taster of what they get so what we witnessed Ryan went away the first beer. year free beer yeah mostly um, so yeah one I'm, sign I'm on the other line <laughs> so uh, yeah we'll let, let's tell them what they get right so we went you went for three nights and actually you know you went for more the first time I think we were both planning on going over for ten nights I couldn't go you went away for a clangor amount of time I went away only for three nights last year or three nights uh, for people who speak actual English and mm -hmm. it wasn't long enough I went over I think I got one proper meal the whole time and that was at the tailgate I had some pulled some gorgeous pulled pork uh, the day I was leaving but then they were like the bus is gone and I had to drive the damn bus so I had to leave so I ha only had one meal so we've extended it to four nights instead but there is a three night option which is even cheaper and we'll give you the prices now in a second so we're going Thursday the 7th of September uh, till Monday the 11th of September uh, the tickets are in the lower level end zone um, so when we were on those tickets and they're absolutely cracking tickets they're great yeah I want to say as well just while we're at it there were a couple of guys that did the upgrade mm. um, and they just obviously it was still a fantastic seat look there is no bad seat in Lambeau Field for no. those of you that haven't been there is no bad seat so you can pay for that upgrade and do it um, but you know don't feel you don't feel you've got to do it because any seat in that stadium is amazing yeah, and they, you get the bleachers aspect of it. We're going in September, so it's not going to be too cold. For all the lunatics that want a cold game, shut your tits, because it's. It, we've spoke to people, diehard fans, who said that it does take away from the experience. Um, so certainly we probably will be doing a cold game soon, uh, but not this year again, because there's too many people that are want to go for the first time. So you get four nights in the Green Bay Radisson. That's where the players stay, and the players will come into the hotel, and that's where all of the boys go down, and they can get pictures with the, the Packers players. You get your ticket to the game. You get an, the Sports Travel Tours Unlimited Tailgate Party. That's unlimited food and drink. And as well as that, Ryan, we, last year we went into Green Bay or into Chicago and then I drove the bus up, which was terrifying, stressful. We almost died at least 17 times. Uh, when you went over, you went on the little plane from Chicago O'Hare yeah. to Green Bay. And we've picked that option again. And can you sort of give us a flavor of why that's way more <laughs> beneficial than getting murdered on the motorway up? Yeah, sure. Okay, so yeah, I'll give you that flavor. Um, basically, first off, it started with a mad dash through the airport to get from one terminal to the other. Um, but yeah, then we got on this little plane. And when we say little, 
it kind of looked like the jet that we just flew over on, but kind of very miniature. And when we got on, there was one seat on one side of the aisle and one seat on the other side of the aisle, and right. that was your aeroplane. Right, you're like, meant to was... sell this to the people. You're not meant to no, no, no. Them right. no, think no, they've no. stepped into it a was... golden eye of the movie. Right? It was it was awesome, but I've never been on such a small plane. But it was it was awesome. And then uh, they came around, and um, at this point, like we'd been on Delta, and I think the, there was free beer, mm. which was great. Nice. So we all got on the next plane, and we're like, "Oh, get some more free beer." We asked, and she said, "Yeah, we're not we're not even in the air long enough, like, <laughs> like to get around with the drinks cart." Okay, fine. Now, towards the end of the flight, literally, you're up in the air, what feels like 20 minutes, right? Mm. And as you come into Green Bay Airport, it's beautiful because you come around Lambeau Field. And as you come around it, the plane, so if if you get on that plane and you can, I don't know, sort if you can choose your seat on that, try and sit on the left-hand side of the plane, which is where I was lucky enough to be. Because as the plane comes around, it dips its wing over Lambeau and you get the best view of the stadium from up above it as it comes into the airport. And it... The other good thing as well is the airport is literally across the road from the Radisson Air, uh, Hotel. So it, it gets you almost to the door. Yeah, and let, let, let me give people a flavour. My first look at Lambo was I was driving white-knuckled. Uh, I was holding on to the steering wheel so damn hard. It was getting, it was actually dark. We pulled in and I could see the Lambo sign. Um, but you know it was across the river and I couldn't really see it properly. That was my first look at Lambo. So instead of tilting over it coolly in a plane, I was white knuckling it up, just happy to be alive on a on a bus. So we've chose the plane option again. Now we'll give it a price again in a second. Um, but that's what makes this slightly more expensive. Not crazy more expensive because we're going to break down the price and show you it's basically the same price as last year, plus that sort of plane flight, which, which is crazy because we're going for an extra night. Um, so on top of that, so you get your game tickets, you get your unlimited food and booze at the tailgate party, and that's a smashing good time. Um, four nights in the Green Bay Radisson. Then you get the stadium tour of Lambo, and I've I've seen an announcement that they're starting to do tours of the actual Hall of Fame, so you can go in and get a, t- a guided tour of the Hall of Fame. So we're gonna have to do that. That's amazing. Now here's the fun part, Ryan. On the Saturday night, it's a little bit different this year, isn't it? Yeah. So uh, Saturday night this year, we're going to be meeting with a legend, a Packers legend, mm-hmm. and uh, a current player on the Green Bay roster. Now. I know that as soon as this goes out, people are going to be tweeting, who is it? Who is it? Well, we don't know yet, do we? Because the problem is they can't give us the current star right now because they could get cut. So, and obviously we're going week one. Well, so it's yeah. the reality of it, isn't yeah. it? You know, um, there was, there's a number of players last year we didn't see getting cut and they did. So I guess there's a bit of that. Um, but yeah, the Packers legend, it could be, I don't know, it could be a 60s guy. It could be, a, a you know, maybe a 96 era guy. I, I mm-hmm. don't know. But um, that's going to be pretty awesome. And they're really cool because um, the first year we went, we met Amon Green, um, who I think is the all, still the all-time leading rusher of the Green Bay Packers. Yep. Um, and, we, you know, we made good friends with him. We speak to him quite regularly. And last year they, they met the legend that was Jerry Kramer. So these are big names you get to meet, um, you know, with all respect to them. It's, it's not a guy off the Packers uh, practice squad to sort of keep us happy. It's These are big, big names that you get to meet. Um I think Jerry Kramer, didn't he let you wear his ring, which was pretty awesome. Yeah, and I made a joke as well. Some We were taking a group picture and one of the girls went out to go to the toilet and we wanted a group picture. We had to wait for her to come back in. 
and uh, I had Jerry's ring on my finger and I was sort of standing beside him with the hand on his shoulder like it was just surreal and I said, I said, look, sorry about this, Jerry. She doesn't work on Lombardi time. And he just burst out laughing. It was it was great to make Jerry Kramer laugh about a Lombardi joke, who he played under, uh, which mm-hmm. is just incredible. Yeah, so some top names. And it's probably going to be somebody from the 60s era. It's kind of where we're leaning because, look, if we're going to be going over to Lambo, we'd rather meet somebody who is one of the old-time players um, than meet someone from 96 because, let's face it, we have another 30 years to meet them. And the current player, like what Ryan says, we don't know yet, but like we can't find out because Mike McCarthy... Uh, you know they have to depend on when he wants to have his meeting who he's going to release down to us but we're definitely going to be speaking to someone and myself and Ryan are going to be speaking to them doing a live Q&A and then throwing the questions out to the floor and then you'll get an autograph session so it's better than last year you'll get an autograph session with an old legend and you'll get an autograph session uh, with the current star of the Packers so that's amazing Um, uh, like I said you get into the Packers Hall of Fame you get the tour of Lambeau as well they're two different things and then all transfers are covered and again you'll have me and Ryan there as hosts but we also have this incredible woman uh, who does the Packer trolley tour she was the PA and secretary for Mike Holmgren so she messaged us again saying that she was looking forward to us coming over and we're going to get her to give us another trolley tour and she will give us all of the inside juicy gossip and she's an absolute legend. She told us stories the last time of the first time Reggie White came into town and they told her, do not mention the weather to him. We want we want them to look at Green Bay like a good thing. So she, no one was allowed to mention the weather to Reggie even though it was snowing outside, you know. So that's great. But let, should, we, should we unleash the prices on the people? Well, we could as well. The other thing I just want to add on the end is there's uh, there's actually a TV show recorded in, in, in the uh, hotel. There's other TV shows recorded around as well. So that's literally the player stop. The player meets do not stop there, do they? You no. can continue to get, get in and amongst it. And it's very much that the players are part of the town. And you, even uh, some guys I know the year I went saw a couple of players in different restaurants and so on. So you yeah. never know who you're going to run into. Um, but it's going to be well worth the trip. Yeah, and look, we have connections down Green Bay. We know some top VPs in the place. Mark Murphy, the president, was on the podcast, and we reach out to these people a good bit and, and chat to them. So, uh, you know, in the background, and we don't like promising stuff before people go away on the trip, but we've had Mason Crosby, we've had Mike Daniels on the podcast. So, you know, we're going to look to meet those guys. You know, we have Mike Spofford, Wes Hodkowitz, uh, the journals who people like to read. You know, we talk to them quite casually um, a lot. So, you know, we could meet some of those guys, catch up for a beer. Um you know, and we met Mark Murphy last year. Uh, in all of the trips that we've done, we've met Jordy Nelson. Uh, you know, a man green, like you said, Jerry Kramer. Mm-hmm. The lads have met just every, like everybody, anybody that you can meet. And another thing, what me and Ryan are gonna try to do for people is, is that you're not allowed to go into the locker room in Lambo. It's not part of the tour. Um, but do you know what, Ryan? We're gonna try angle it, aren't we? We're gonna see how many of us we can get in to the yeah. dressing room. Be- well, the attitude you have to have is, if you don't ask, you don't get. Yeah. So, let's, so they can only say no. Yeah, let's, we're going to give it a stab. Uh, we're going to pull on all the connections. And the reason is, is because the Don Hudson Centre is where they practice. It's just across the road from Lambeau Field. So they don't need another locker room. They l- use the same locker room in Lambeau. It's not like, as I said on, I think, the last podcast where, um, you know, you can, uh, like Liverpool and Man United where they have separate sort of training grounds, Carrington and all the rest, uh, they change in there. So... I was lucky enough last year uh, I was meeting with some uh, top execs from the pack and I got behind there and I walked by TJ Lang he was standing there with his wife and his kid in the buggy and Mason Crosby was showing his family around Mark Murphy was there with his grandchild carrying her around giving a tour it was surreal absolutely surreal to see the canteen where they eat to see all the jerseys hanging up madness so we're going to try to do that for people so let's unleash the price here Ryan last year 
it was 1800 quid and then with all the reductions well it was between 1800 and two grand and, and some people spent two and a half up to three grand you know getting two games and all the rest so it came to about 1800 to two grand last year you got a 10 percent discount so it brought people down to either between 1600 to 1800 which is incredible because some of the lads tried to do it themselves and they got about 50 quid off and they didn't get any of the stuff like the unlimited you know food and drink at the tailgate they didn't get to meet the legend of jerry kramer or wear the super bowl yeah. ring so bear in mind this year we're going away for an extra night which which is supposed to add 150 pounds and also we're getting the um the flight into green bay which is meant to add another 150 pounds now you can get a single room but ryan we're telling people don't bother doing that that's why we're going as a group get a double because it decreases the price by 400 blips actually more 410 euro extra you'd have to spend to stay in your own i stayed with a guy that i didn't know last year uh dave and absolutely sound guy no problem with it the rooms in america are absolutely massive they're the size of an irish house and the beds are far apart i'm not gonna have to spoon ryan on it and the other thing to say is let's face it it's green bay you're only there a few days you are not going to be spending much time in that room yeah so even if you know the guy that you're sharing with uh, is going to fart himself to death during his sleep at least you don't have to spend too much time with him yeah or maybe that's your thing. Maybe you want to. Uh, maybe you want to get a waft of that. Um, so yeah. So bear in mind that all of that's going to add an extra three hundred quid onto it. So if you would pay two grand last year, it should be about two thousand three hundred. It's not for a double room. It's two thousand one hundred twenty nine. But you get the ten percent discount, which means that if you're spending two thousand one hundred, you get two hundred ten quid off it. So you're spending less than two grand. So let's say you're talking what eighty and fifty. Um, for a holiday for four days in Green Bay trip of a lifetime to see the Seattle game it's the season opener so you can imagine what the price of these tickets are now if you want to be super friendly and you like the, the taste of someone else's farts you can get into a triple or a quad room and a triple room is two grand now take your 200 off that you're talking 1800 quid or less so Ryan, it's supreme quality and you can get that even cheaper if people go for the three nights. I mean, you can knock 150 quid off that again. So if you're getting a double room um, for around 1850, well, then you can knock 150 off that again. You're talking about 1700 quid is what you can get over there for for three days. Like supreme quality. Um, And if you're not into the Seattle game, by all means, we can set you up to go to the Ravens game. Um, we can set you up to go to the Bengals game and Bears game. Maybe get the Bengals-Bears doubleheader. But the official trip the international fan weekend that we're going to try to get people from different countries for is going to be the season opener against Seattle. Yeah, and I think what we'll try and do is we'll try and get a link on the website on one of the pages. So um, you can either go to sportstraveltours.com forward slash UK, find the package that way, um, hitting Green Bay and get to it. Or what we'll do is we'll get a page up quickly on the website um, and we'll we'll merge the page in somehow and, and, and get yeah. it that way. So I think it'll be easy to find for everybody. Yeah, so we hope people are happy with it. Remember, and we'll put all this information on the website and we'll have a flyer that we're going to be sending out via newsletter. So do sign up for the newsletter if you want to get all that information again, especially something to go and bargain with the wife. Now, if you're one of the regular listeners and you know how all of this works or you've been on a past trip, you know what to do. Go to the website and you can book it straight there on the website. You can put down a deposit now, secure your place. Um, and then you're good to go there's also vouchers so if anybody there has a birthday or a christening or whatever that's coming up and you want someone to get you a present by all means ask them to get you a sports travel tour voucher for 50 quid 100 quid and that way you'll decrease the price of your trip then again it's money that you can spend in the pro shop so again with the code INTPAC INTPACK17 um, you will get your 10% off and you're free to book away right away and uh, rest assured that myself and Ryan are going to be on the trip leading the troop and look at Johnny have to look at the past photographs to see who he met the last time this one is going to be an absolute corker 
Yeah. Do it. Don't regret not being on it. Yep. Simple as that. So again, you've we have to pay in full, I think, up to it's either four weeks or six weeks before the trip. So you're warned, it's September, right? So six weeks before that you're talking what's that? The end of July? August, July, September. Yeah, that's right, isn't it? So, um, you know, you're going to have to pay up by the end of July, let's say, or the start of August. So make sure that... Because people always do it, don't they, Ryan? They say, oh, yeah, I'll think about it. I leave it for a month. I wait till what my mates say. And then you wait till what your mates say. One of them piss arses around and then you lose your place on the trip and you can't come because you've left it too late. So now is the right time to be booking. Any questions, just go yeah. and contact at UK Packers or info at ukpackers.co.uk. Um, hit us up on our Instagram go to our Facebook page just search UK Packers there's about a billion different ways that you can get in contact if you have any doubt whatsoever about the price or what the experience is going to be or can you extend days and I know this has gone on now for you know the bones of it's going to be about 25 minutes again we finished chatting here but we just want to give you all the information if you want to have a super holiday of a lifetime and you want to go somewhere elsewhere, which about half of the people who've went on previous trips have done, they've, they've went off to Minnesota, they've, they've pissed off to Chicago and Wrigley Field, is you can add on stuff easy. And that way, if you want to do that, you can just contact Andrew at sportstraveltours.com or come to us and then we'll introduce you to Andrew. Um, and you can contact him and you can fly off wherever you want. You don't have to come directly from the UK, Ireland, Italy, France, Spain, any of those places. You can actually fly to the US you know, catch another game somewhere, catch, go to New York, do a bit of shopping and then fly from New York to Green Bay. All of that can be done and it's cheaper than you can imagine. And the 10% applies to any holiday that you get, not only just this Strictly Packer trip. So if you want to go yeah. to New York and it costs you an extra 500 quid, well, then you get an extra 50 blips off that for absolutely yep. no reason. Yeah. So just to confirm now, the website is now within a website if you like so you can find the page by going to ukpackers.co.uk click on the tours tab along the top and it will take you directly to the page where you can look at booking or making your inquiries just remember that discount code yeah perfect um and we'll look we're going to be going on ad nauseum on twitter and instagram and facebook and all the rest and final reminder before we leave is off to listen to some golden oldie action it's 1919 club uh, we have a draw out there and Ryan it's filling up fast so people better get their names down but we're limiting the entries to two at the moment aren't we yeah two per person there's about ooh, I don't know 16 17 tickets left to go um, we'll probably leave that like that for another day to give everyone a chance to get involved um, but then we'll open that up and others will be able to then buy multiple tickets yeah. so it's the Eddie Lacey road jersey there's a Boyd Dowler photo signed obviously and a Demarius Randall signed photo. Cracking prizes. It's a way that you can win a bit of Packers merch. And what's the entry for this one right now? Uh, four pounds a ticket. Four blips. So four. So you can get yourself a jersey that's worth around about, I guess, a hundred pounds by the time mm. you've got it sent over and all the rest of it. Uh, and if you're lucky enough, you can win that for four pounds. Yep. And look, if you buy two tickets, uh, we did have that last time that we ran a Raz that someone actually came out and won two prizes, which was Tony Cassidy. So you can win two. You can definitely win two. It's done by a randomizer. We put the videos and be transparent about it up on the website. But look at any questions, guys, give us a shout. So from myself at NFL on Twitter, give me a follow. Follow the group at UK Packers. And from me old buddy, me old pal, the dog and extraordinaire, it's Ryan J. Peacock. Boy. It's golden oldie time. So now we have the interview with Mr. Leroy Butler. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. It's your host, as usual, at NFL on Twitter. And make sure you follow the group at UK Packers. So you know how we do of a Friday. We like to bring you a celebrity guest, but it does not get bigger than this. Our guest on the podcast today 
is a Super Bowl champ, an all-round defensive legend, four-time Pro Bowler, four-time All-Pro. He was the first player in his position to reach the 20 sacks, 20 interception club on the line of Leroy Butler. Leroy, how are you? What's going on? This is very exciting to be on with you guys. I just hope you can understand me, Leroy, throughout this podcast. <laughs> it's okay for you to say, sorry, little Irishman, could you please repeat that? You know what? I'd trade two Super Bowls for that accent. <laughs> I'd have so many girlfriends right now with that accent. Trust me. Here, I'll tell you what. Can we do that? Can we swap? Can we make that swap? Because that's fine with me. I'll be your voice coach. You just post the rings over, Leroy. Is that okay? Hey, no problem. <laughs> Well, Leroy, a bit of a light, a bit of a fun interview for a Friday over here for all your adoring fans. Now, look, when I told people that we were going to have Leroy Butler on the podcast, they lost their mind. They went crazy. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to sort of, you know, get a feeling for who you are, Leroy, how you came up, you know, your kind of upbringing and stuff. Yeah. And then hit, the, of course, your Super Bowl champ. I want to hear all about it. But uh, now, again, first thing we have to get off the bat, is your name pronounced Leroy or Leroy? How did mama name you? It's, it's good. I'm good with either. It's no big deal. My friends in Florida call me Leroy. My friends in Wisconsin call me Leroy. So it's no big deal. Yeah, right. Sure. I tell you what, your friends in Europe here will call you Leroy as well. That's how we say it. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Right, Leroy. So, I mean, you know, what I find incredible about your career, and I am a bit starstruck now talking to a legend, but let me take you back a little bit. I mean, is your story from your from your childhood not the most unlikely sports story ever written? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think for the most part, um, I think when I, I do a lot of speaking engagements at a lot of schools and I talk to a lot of kids, and when I tell them my, the way I grew up, I mean, they can't believe it because they think a lot of athletes were maybe born with, you know, with a normal, you know, normal background with two parents, nice house, white picket fence. But for me, you know, my mom was a single parent. You know, my dad got divorced at I was four years old. Yeah. I learned that I had club feet, so I had to wear these braces on my legs, sort of like Forrest Gump. Yeah. And at times, sometimes I had to sit in a wheelchair, and, you know, kids picked on me my whole career. It seemed like, you know, growing up, and I was in special education for, it seemed like, my whole school, you know, life. So I had it hard, but for the most point, Stephen, I knew what I wanted to be when I grew up. I just knew it, I knew it, I knew it. And I used to watch football all the time. And I used to watch it. And I said, man, I really want to be a part of that. But, you know, my mom, you know, she could have said, you know, statistically African-American in the projects, yeah. you're not going to play pro football. Do something else. But that's not what she told me. She told me I can do whatever I want to do. I just need to be a leader, not a follower. And don't be a statistics by getting in trouble like some of the other kids in the neighborhood. And I always believed that. Leroy, was that hard to do in your neighborhood? I mean, because the neighborhood that you grew up in was like a minefield on top of sort of the issues that you said, you know, with the club feed stuff. But I mean, it was yeah. a bad neighborhood, right? It was terrible. It really was. I mean, I remember for 38 straight days at one time we averaged one homicide. Yeah. I just remember it, it was just crimes, drugs. You know, it was just one of these places the way a lot of people wasn't going to make it out. And my mom, who's my role model, she just kept us focused, you know, focused on not being a statistic like some of these other kids, not hurting people, and just growing up being a leader. But if you're going to follow somebody, choose the right person to follow. And I followed her. I mean, she had three jobs at one point. She used to catch the bus and get up four or five in the morning, fix us breakfast and leave and stuff like that. So 
you know, I just kept my blinders on, just like the horses on the races. I never watched another horse. I watched <laughs> the finish line, and that was to play pro football to get my mom out of the projects. Yeah, because, I mean, Leroy, what made you pick football in the first place? Because you were an absolutely gifted athlete. I mean, you were a track star, football star, baseball. You dabbled in baseball. Why football? You know, that's a good question because football, to me, I love teamwork. I love the fact that a guy has to rely upon me to win a game. I just love that. I, and football is the, the quintessential team sport. You need all 11 guys to think one particular goal, and that's winning a Super Bowl. And I just, I'm fascinated by that. And I love the talk, I love the network, and, and I love to motivate players. And I just love that. And once I just saw that on television, like one guy, he gets in front of 10 guys, he kind of tell them something, and they go do what he says, and they're all synchronized. I just love that. Yeah, and I mean, Speaking of looking at television, so you, so you would have been watching the pro game on telly, and Leroy, yes. the Packers were not good watching back then. <laughs> you know, here's some breaking news. I grew up the biggest Cowboy fan <laughs> in the entire land. And I don't think a lot of Packer fans know that, but I, I was the biggest... Oh, I used to watch Roger Staubach like he was God. Yeah. I just loved it, and I just... You know, and, and my favorite team in college growing up was Florida State, the yeah. Florida State Seminoles. So those two teams were winning a lot. So I thought football was easy. I didn't think it was that big of a deal. But, you know, I had to learn the hard way. But those were my teams growing up. So, I mean, looking at your, you know, every kid looks at TV and looks at all the offensive stars. Nowadays, people are looking up to Aaron Rodgers and you know, Jordy Nelson. Yep. I mean, what made you switch to the opposite side of the ball? You know, because you, you kind of, like you excelled in your career to be a legend, but I mean, so many people put in a hard shift on defense, but never get the recognition. You're right about that. You know, man, you're very astute because everybody wants to be a quarterback growing up in Little League. Yeah. Everybody. Everybody wants to be a running back. Everybody wants to score a touchdown. To me, the real men defend guys from getting in, okay? Defense win championships. Case in point, look at Denver last year. Yeah. Well, their defense won the Super Bowl. And I think if you go back to my Super Bowl, Super Bowl 31, we had the number one defense, but we also had the number one offense and had the number one special teams. But I just wanted I wanted to defend. I thought that can separate me from a lot of people growing up. If I just go out and say, listen, I want to play anywhere on the defense. I'll play offense, yeah. but I love the defense, and I just kind of excelled at it. Yeah, and I mean, look, you you got you you made your your dreams. You know, you got into the pro game, but Florida is so much very different than Green Bay. When it happened at the time, <laughs> did you go to Green Bay and go, what is this? <laughs> When I got the phone call from Lee Rimmel, uh, God bless him, he passed on. Yeah. He was telling me all about Wisconsin and all this stuff. And I said, wait, 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 wait a minute. Where's Green Bay? <laughs> <laughs> because I had heard they play sometime in Milwaukee. Yeah. And I'm thinking, well, maybe they're a little confused. That's why they're not winning games. They don't know where their home is. <laughs> and they kind of laughed at it. And they said, well, no, you'll be fine. You know, the weather has to be, you know, it gets a little chilly. They used the word chilly. They didn't say cold. Oh. <laughs> it gets a little chilly, but you'll be fine. And, boy, I told my girlfriend at the time. Yeah. Said, we're going to Green Bay. They just selected me in the second round. I remember her having a fit. She was screaming. <laughs> 
Oh my goodness, Green Bay, we're gonna die. It's so cold out there. <laughs> I said, no, it'll be fine. It gotta be 80, 90 degrees. I've never been there. But we got a real culture shock, but that's the reason why I stayed to one team. I love the fans. And you said that your girlfriend at the time, and she was scared she was going to die. You said girlfriend at the time, did she, <laughs> did she die? I mean, is she up there buried in the snow in Green Bay? No, trust me, she loved it. She liked the fact it was cheaper to live in Wisconsin than it was in Florida. So a lot of the nice clothes that she was getting that I was buying, by the way, <laughs> she was just fine. Leroy, was it a shock at first? I mean, were you disappointed to be drafted by Green Bay, in all honesty, because, you know, they were so poor. Like, Green Bay were poor. Now, we loved them to death, but they were a very poor team from the 60s yeah. all the way up. Even your first two years there can't have been easy. You know, the, the thing about it, having a childhood dream of playing professional football and where I came from, Yeah. I mean, I wanted to go to the Dallas Cowboys, but it didn't matter. I was so excited. I mean, you don't understand. I, I went through a bunch of up and downs through my years. I was just so fortunate. The phone rang. And then it, it, then it hits you where you're going to live yeah. in Green Bay. Because I didn't know where to get soul food. I, <laughs> food. I didn't know where to get a haircut. Yeah. I didn't know any of this kind of stuff. So, But I learned fast because, you know, the Green Bay fans, man, they're fantastic. They kind of help you out. I mean, they even let us ride their bikes down to practice so we don't walk. We can save our energy. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's an unbelievable community, which is why, you know, we're such a, a big fan group over here because we find that if an American, for instance, has interest in soccer, so they support, you know, one of the teams over here in the UK, they're kind of yeah. laughed at. But once we support NFL and the Green Bay Packers, we find that, the you know, the people in Wisconsin... You know, we went over there uh, last year for our first game, you know, and we're going to do an annual road trip um, every year to go over. Definitely catch one game. Some people are catching two, but there's no laughing. There's no scoffing at you. And they invited us in with open arms like we were family. Yeah, when I heard you guys, uh, Nathan, one of my assistants told me you guys came to a game, I was floored. I was like, wow, that's fantastic. I mean, because the reach of the Packers is worldwide, but... You know, when I, I was excited to talk to you guys from the UK, I mean, I didn't know the the level of Packer fans around the world was to that level. So when when you contacted me on Twitter, I said, oh, no doubt, I want to do that. That's, I mean, that's fantastic. You can get a chance to talk to as many fans as possible. It's fantastic. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you've got a massive cult following. It's not even a cult following. You've got a massive following over here. Everyone, the buzz was going through UK Packers HQ like crazy when we said we're going to speak to you because, I mean, you've seen some absolutely legendary times. You know, you've seen the resurgence of the Packers from the abyss of the 1960s through the 80s. I mean, yes. if I can take you back then, uh, Leroy, 1992, Mike Holmgren comes to town. I mean, yes. after two bad years, did you feel the mood change in Packers camp when he arrived or was he sort of an unknown entity? entity at that time well you know he had he at the time he was never a head coach before so we really didn't know how to take him yeah but one thing we did know he came from a great organization san francisco and they had won a couple super bowls i think so when you come to green bay as you indicated it was a losing culture yeah and people there didn't know what to expect because you win the first two super bowls then there's a drought so he came in and he pretty much gutted the whole team out. I remember Ron Wolf walking in. We had just beaten Minnesota. 
And he said, a lot of you guys may not be here next year. This is 1991. Yeah. He says, listen, I'm going to win a championship. And a lot of you guys are not going to be here. So, you know, nice to meet you guys. And he just left. Yeah. And at that point, things started to change. We traded for Brett Favre. We went and got the top free agent in all of the NFL, Reggie White. Yeah. A few other pieces, and we were on our way. I mean, like, how did that feel as a locker room to have someone come in and say, listen, your job's on the line? Did that act as a motivator? Or did that destroy some of the morale as well? I was glad to hear it. Yeah. Because I think we were expecting to play some of these other teams and we were expecting to lose. I liked it, the arrogance that we're going to change this around and we're going to win. These guys have a formula to win. And we're all on the job training. It was his first time being a head coach, and he brought in a great staff. And he was right. A lot of those guys, over 90% of those guys, they they were not on the team when we started to win, like 95 on, all new guys. And Ron Wolf, he had did it before, you know, with the Raiders and all these other teams and Tampa Bay. He knew what he wanted. And the next thing you know, he was looking at this quarterback saying, you know what, I need a quarterback. And he's down in Atlanta, and I'm going to get him. I need to start with a quarterback, and it was unbelievable. But, I mean, we look at the sort of, you know, you, all you have to do is YouTube Brett Favre, and you can go on and see the documentary. That boy was rough around the edges when he started off. <laughs> I mean, how anybody could see the potential in a guy who, he never made the Atlanta picture because he was hungover. And, you know, he was a guy who was sort of, for a, you know, we find that most Packer players, we call them Packer people, because all you guys are, you know, the almost of integrity you, you give 100% on the field you're into your charitable causes off it it's like he's never got a day off but like did you did you see the potential in Brett Favre because at that stage he would have only been a backup to, to Don right you just wouldn't have sort of seen him as the starter would you I played against him Stephen in college yeah and here's how his career was big time Florida State and we're playing he's at Southern Mississippi and they beat us and they had Brett up for the Heisman. I said, man, that kid got a strong arm. And he just, he makes the throws the other quarterbacks are scared to make. Yeah. So when he got to Green Bay, I was telling guys, I said, man, this guy can really throw the ball hard. But he has touch. And he had leadership qualities. So when Don Mikowski gets hurt against Cincinnati, I mean, he came in right away, and he made some of the best throws I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, it was just unbelievable. Was it frustrating at times, though, Leroy, from a defensive standpoint, when, like, Brett Favre, I mean, we all know he's a man legend, and all the stuff that's happening, especially this year, you know, uh, with the whole his number going up onto the stadium. But was it frustrating sometimes from a defensive standpoint with the interceptions that he used to throw, especially earlier in his career, you know, when he wasn't as established as being the gunslinger? You know, I, I, that's another good question because I think for the most part, people see that he leads, you know, everybody in touchdowns and interceptions. I remember him in practice throwing an interception. I remember how he felt down. He was kicking the grass. I said, listen, we want you to play the way you can play. Yeah. Don't be scared. If you want to make it over the linebacker, Inside the safety and between two cornerbacks, you do it. It's our job to go and get the ball back. Yeah. Don't you just do your thing and don't worry about it. Once he heard that, all he could do now is just relax and play. And that's all we wanted. Just go out and play. We'll take care of any offense to feel like 
if you throw an interception, we'll go back there and get it back. Yeah. Don't worry about it. And from a locker room perspective then, Leroy, I mean, is it sort of split down the middle that defensive guys hang with defensive guys, offensive guys hang with offensive guys, and the only time you mix is during practice when you're kind of playing against each other? Or does everybody mill around and it's, a, it's more of a team spirit in there? You know, for that particular team, for Super Bowl 31, it was a big mixture because one of my favorite friends was Edgar Bennett. We played Little League sports. You know, we played junior high sports. We played college together and the pros. So we had a big team concept. You know, that's the good thing about it. You know, no, it was no selfish players. You know, even when we brought Andre Rising over for that particular year, you know, everybody got in where they fit in. But when you swipe your, your key card to come in the building, it was one goal to win a, a Super Bowl. And that's the only way you can win you playing in sports like that. And I tell all the kids when I talk to them, if you don't trust the guy next to you, you will not win. And, I mean, was the biggest statement of that sort of, you know, will to win 1993, Reggie White comes into the locker room. I mean, was that the single biggest thing that Wolf and Holmgren could have done to say, we mean business? No question about it, because remember, no African-Americans at the time wanted to go to Green Bay. That's just allegedly what people were putting out there. Yeah. And at the time, there was no free agency. We had this thing called Plan B, where you could protect so many players. Reggie sued the NFL to be a free agent. So he was the top free agent. So to get him, I asked Ron Whoopel, what did you do? What did you say? He said, you can go anywhere and be a great player. If you come to Green Bay, you'll be a legend. Yeah. And that was true. And when Reggie heard that, I think that was, that was the key. And we were on our way. And that's exactly what happened. He became a legend. Like, I mean, at that level, and like, again, your career just went up and up and up and up. But with players like that, when they come into the locker room, is are some players looking at players like him and be, becoming starstruck by that and thinking, I can't believe I'm oh, playing with him? Yes. Oh, yeah? Yes. When I first saw, you can hear it in my voice. When I first <laughs> saw Reggie, I thought it was a, like, wait a minute. You know, you see somebody, but you don't. Yeah. And I, I said, that's Reggie White. Reggie <laughs> White's in Green Bay. He must be lost. And I had to go talk to him. I said, man, that's Reggie White. I said, man, Reggie White's in here, guy. They said, I know. He's in there taking a physical. Whoa. Immediately, I felt I got to change my game. Yeah. I got <laughs> to step my game up. If Reggie White's coming here, I got to play better. I got to be... Just like Reggie, I got to step my game up. And I and tell you what, it turned my life around. Playing with guys like that, I felt great. It's, I mean, it's amazing to, to see that because, I mean, when you look at the stats alone, when Reggie White joined in 1993, the defense went from 23rd to 2nd in the league. So <laughs> it, it's, it's incredible. But it just, you know what? It's Behind the stats is just exactly what you're after saying. That influence wasn't Reggie White. He couldn't have done it on his own. Everybody stepped their game up when he walked into the building. Yes. And that's the thing. We, we had a guy named Keith McKenzie. All this guy does is go after the quarterback. We had Sean Jones. And all he wants to do is get after the quarterback. Yeah. Gilbert Brown, Santana Dotson, everybody played their role. And everybody never wanted to let your, your fellow man down. You know and that? And that was just so awesome. It really was. And Reggie was a big key to that. You just never wanted to let your friends down. But, I mean, Leroy, how poetic is it that that's the very man that set up 
something another key to why you're such a legend in pack nation the lambo leap he was the he was the guy who handed you the ball and you ran it down i mean please i mean talk to me about that did you think at the back of your head did you have that in the back of your head for years like you know what the next time i run in for a touchdown i'm gonna dive up into those stands or was it just completely spontaneous it was all spontaneous i wish it was a cool story behind it <laughs> I, I just remember reggie when he played in philadelphia he was they used to pitch the ball back to each other when they would get a, a fumble or interception. Yeah. And Eric Allen, who was one of my best friends, they pitched it to him or somebody else and they would run it. So for some reason, when I caused a fumble, Reggie picked the fumble up, some guy was grabbing him, and we caught eye contact and he laddered it to me and I just took off and started running. Yeah. I just remember not knowing if it was legal or not. I just jumped <laughs> up there and and some guy wasted beer all on me and everything. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just great. Well, I went back. If you YouTube it, you'll see Brett Favre coming out there with this cape on like Superman. <laughs> and it's just so funny. It was like, oh, my God, dude, you stink. You smell like beer. <laughs> I said, yeah, some guy threw his beer right at me when I caught it, when he called me. And, and they said it was a touchdown. And I didn't get fined the following week. So I said, well, I guess we can do it. And what carried it on? I mean, was it a discussion in the in the locker room after? Because, I mean, Robert Brooks famously, you know, carried it on and used to jump up into the stands. Did you ever have a conversation with him and say, oh, you should do it? Or did Brooks ever come to you and say, like the celebration, I'm having it? I think for the most part, if you're an offensive guy, you're going to do more Lambo leaps. Yeah. But the, the thing what Robert did was he made a song about it and made it famous. Yeah. And if you didn't do a Lambo leap, you would get booed. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, because every time he scored, he did it. Yeah. And, and people were like, if you scored and didn't do a Lambo leap, I mean, it was just like, wait a minute now. You got to do the Lambo leap. And Robert, you know, he even trademarked the word Lambo leap. Yeah. And he just made it so famous after that. You know, it was just great. His song even starts out the way he got the idea from me. And he just took it to another level. And it was it just it's just a fun thing because the Green Bay Packers are doing the Lambo leap at home, they're winning games. Yeah, and I mean look, it goes to show how popular and how loved the Lambo Leap is because if if Wisconsinite is willing to waste his beer for something right. and it's a Lambo Leap, you know they're loving it. <laughs> You're right, because beer is very important in Wisconsin. <laughs> I best cheese. It's beer as well. Oh, yeah. And you see, look, as an Irishman, I completely understand. I get what they mean. <laughs> not, not one to reinforce stereotypes, but you know what I mean. Right, absolutely. But uh, so, I mean, all of that aside, the, the team is slowly gearing up for that inevitable Super Bowl birth. And you just got there in Super Bowl 30. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, like the start of your career, where, where it might have seemed unlikely. I mean, when you were picking up momentum, did the Super Bowl seem unlikely as well? Because Brett Favre had come out that May, right, and said that he was addicted to painkillers. Was that a shock yeah. to the whole organization? You know, to be honest with you, Stephen, a lot of the players didn't even know. Really, yeah? We didn't even, we had no idea. I didn't even see the press conference. Yeah. I, I was like, I love the guy. Who cares? Yeah. That's that's my boy. That's my bro. Who cares? I said, as long as I said, is anything wrong with his arm? They go, no. I said, well, he's good, and we start laughing because <laughs> we support we support you when you up and when you down. Yeah. We don't abandon anybody. We didn't even care, but we felt bad for him for the most part because it takes a real man to do that. Yeah. 
And we love that. You don't really understand the unconditional love we have for him. And for him to do that, I think for a split second, he thought he was alone. I said, dude, you're not alone. Yeah. We never even talked about it. I just need you to keep throwing passes. Yeah. And I think that was refreshing to hear, you know, because sometimes you go to these locker rooms, it's a lot of guys whispering and saying stuff behind your back. We didn't have that. Yeah. We had unconditional love because we know if we loved one another, we were going to win. And we just, we were behind him all the way. And I mean, the Super Bowl then itself, the pressure then, uh, you know, because Brett Favre then, I mean, he, he got clean, came out, said, you know, we're going the whole way, which again would have put pressure on you. But even for going into the Super Bowl itself, the Packers were favorites. Did that weigh on you as a player? Or is that all just some media hype that, you know, journalists like to look and go, oh, the pressure's on you? Or do you not even think about that type of stuff when you're a player? You just focus on your job? I absolutely love the pressure. Oh, yeah? Loved it. Loved it. When I thought it was a 14-point favorite, I said, that's about right. <laughs> we were, hey, we were so arrogant that year. I mean, really, because I remember Bob McGinn from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel asking me, can you guys go 19-0? I said, hell yeah. <laughs> I said, Cause we, got, we, we had everything we needed. Desmond Howard, Super Bowl MVP, by the way, Yeah. he was the best at what he did, returning kicks. Our defense was the best, and our offense was the best. We had the best quarterback. We had the best two tandem running back. We had a makeshift offensive line, but they were the best. And we had the best coaching staff. We were so arrogant. So the pressure, we wanted it. We thrived on it. And if we picked up the paper and it didn't say that we were going to win, we were upset. <laughs> so we saw the 14-point spread. Oh, that's about right. Yeah, yeah that's about right. Yeah. And yeah. so did that carry into the actual game itself? Did you have time to enjoy the game? And do you remember much about playing the actual Super Bowl game itself? Or is it all just a blur of focus? Absolutely. I remember every single play. I remember um, New England, one of my best friends, Drew Bledsoe, one of the nicest, best guys to ever play quarterback in the National Football League. I just love the guy, him and Curtis Martin. Yeah, and you know Keith Byers, all these guys are great guys. And Bill Belichick, and and, uh, and uh, you go back and look at Bill Parcells and all that group. Yeah, they came out fast on us. Yeah, okay, they came out fast, and at one time they were pushing us around. And then if you look at the video, I called everybody up on the sideline. Yeah, I say eventually, just keep doing what you're doing. Eventually, it'll turn around because we're the better team. And boy, did it ever. Reggie White <laughs> took over, and I had one of the best sacks of my career Yeah, going around and through Dave Meckett and second Bledsoe. And the defense got fired up, and then after that, we hit Antonio Freeman for an 86-yard bomb. Yeah. And the next thing you know, Brett did a bootleg and scored on a quarterback keep. And next thing you know, we were holding that trophy up. And how do you celebrate that, Leroy? Like, you know, does it does it sink in on the day that you're after becoming world champions? And what did you do after? It's very emotional. Yeah. It's very emotional once you see Lombardi's name on the trophy. It's, it, it, you know, just like Mike Holmgren said, everybody's trying to get it, but if, it's different because our name is on the trophy, yeah. Lombardi trophy. And then all of a sudden it hit me emotionally what I had to go through as a kid. And I told my mom I wanted to play 
professional football to do that and get to the pinnacle of my life to win a Super Bowl, everybody got emotional. Yeah. Because remember, in football, we don't do the champagne like baseball and basketball. We don't do that. So you you have a chance to kind of gather yourself. And I don't drink and I don't smoke. So I celebrated by thinking back what I had to endure as a kid. And that was my celebration. I had completed the goal that I wanted to as a kid, going through special education, going through bullying, going through being in a wheelchair, going through being poverty stricken and all that. It was not luck. I just believe what my grandmother told me that God gave everybody this special power and you have the ability to focus on it and you'll be just fine. Yeah, because, I mean, you were a dominant team for what seemed like an age now. And the following year, how close did you come to repeating? I mean, what what was that feeling like? Because to talk about going from highs to lows. Yeah, that was a lot of mixed emotion. The same arrogance was there because we had pretty much the same team. But we had everything, but it was a few distractions. One of the distractions was, you know, Coach Hongram, it was all in the paper that he may leave, you know, because yeah. he wants to be GM. And, and you know, we just, for some reason, you know, we just wasn't focused in that particular game because, again, we was a 14-point favorite. And, again, we looked and said, that's about right. <laughs> and we thought we should beat them. Yeah. We really did, but we didn't make a lot of adjustments. And, you know, Elway played pretty good. And Terrell Davis, who had some problems, had with migraines or something in that game. Yeah. But I have to give them credit, man. They played a great game, pretty much a flawless game. Because any mistakes, we would have took advantage of it, and yeah. we would have beat Yeah. And, I mean, at that stage then, I mean, you were a Packer for, for a good while now. I mean, did you see your career slowly starting to come to an end? Did you see an end in the horizon, or did you think that you could play on for what seemed like forever? I really felt like I can play forever. I, when I made it to 10 years, yeah. I said, man, I beat the odds. <laughs> so I'm just going to enjoy my career, and hopefully I can win another Super Bowl. As long as I saw number four getting dressed, I yeah. said, well, I got a chance. Okay, that was it. And that, that's the players on your team. But as you said, you know, with Mike Holmgren becoming sort of restless, he did leave. And then you had Ray Rhodes there. What went wrong under Ray Rhodes? Did the players just not buy into his philosophy? Or like, what was going on in the background there? Because it's very rare that a head coach, especially after fi- signing a four-year contract, only lasts one year. Yeah, that was amazing. Because if you look at that roster, they gave Ray Rhodes a gun, but he had no bullets. Yeah. And... He just didn't have the player to do it. I mean, obviously, you got Brett, you had myself, and a few other guys. But the pieces that we had when we were making a Super Bowl run, they weren't there. Yeah. I mean, it was a new guy every week, it seemed like, on the team. And, and that new guy would come in and play a prominent role. And they just they just bailed because they thought it was going to go back to the 70s. Yeah. They feel like they had to make some adjustments. But had they stuck with it, I think you would have saw it turn around because we had some talent on the team, but you can't get stuff. You can't rebuild in one year. It's going to take time. And they didn't, And at the time, we were spoiled Yeah. because we had worked this thing all the way back up. Matter of fact, when we won the Super Bowl, I saw a sign said 30 years of misery has ended <laughs> with going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. So at that point, that was one of the low lives. I mean, the low points of my life at that time 
because I really wanted to see Ray Rose succeed, and he did not get a chance to do that. Yeah, because, I mean, your career was so successful. Super Bowl champion, four-time Pro Bowler, four-time All-Pro. You're in the NFL 1990s All-Decades team, and you're in the Green Bay Packers Hall of Fame. But in 2001, your career ended. Do you remember the tackle? And do you, do you remember, did it, did it occur to you at the time that, you know, this could be it? You know what, the thing about it, I've made that tackle thousands of times from high school all the way through uh, college and pros. Yeah. But it was just the way that I tackled the guy. His helmet hit my shoulder, and my shoulder just exploded. And once I saw it on x-ray, I said, well, this may be a chance that I could never play again. And we went through a year of trying to let it heal, but it just was, was not healing the way I could hit somebody. And again, remember I told you, after 10 years, I said, hey, I'm ahead of the curve. So if I can get out now, I have a great life. And it worked out great for me because I was able to do play my last game in Lambeau Field for one team. And uh, were you ready for life after football? I mean, were you well geared up for it or did it take you a bit of time to adjust? No, I was ready for it after my, like, my 10th year yeah you know i said this is what i want to do i wanted i really wanted to go into coaching so bad i really did and and mike sherman who i think that respected my career more than any coach i've ever had he gave me an opportunity to do that because he was gm and coach at the time but when he got fired then ted thompson came in and i never had an opportunity again to be in a coach's room yeah so after that, I said, I can get into the media because that's the next best way I can stay close to the game. And I did. I worked for ESPN for a couple of years. I worked for a couple other media outlets. Now I'm in Milwaukee working for Intercom, 1057, yeah. The Fan, and I do some stuff for uh, Time Warner Cable on television. Yeah. And now and I do a lot of speaking engagements and stuff like that. But hopefully one day I'll get a chance to be a coach. Yeah, so you're still harboring those hopes and you still want to get back yeah, into the game hands-on, yeah? It's two things I ask God for when I retire. I ask God for an opportunity to have a son because yeah. I have four daughters. <laughs> so I, I now have a son. He's five years old. Yeah. I named him Leroy Butler IV. And the reason why I named him Leroy Butler IV is so he can get a job. He'll be able to get married married and he'll be able to get Packer tickets so that's why I named, I named him after me but now my other thing was I wanted is to have an opportunity to be a coach so I have my son I'm just waiting for that other dream to come true well I just had a son he's only three months but I'm thinking about changing his name to Leroy Butler the fifth if that's okay <laughs> go ahead I, that's fine with me <laughs> So, I mean, Leroy, I mean, you know, you are you were a player in the game and now you've become a media sort of mogul. You know, you're an expert in the game. How do you think the game has changed now? Do you think it's a different beast than the when you played it with, like, look at the amount of money, the contracts. Like, you talk about the team spirit in the Packer locker room. Everyone was there for each other. But nowadays, to me, anyway, it seems like players are just out to get the money. They're more about themselves, all their own media engagements. Is it a completely different animal now? Yes, with social media. Social media has changed it a lot. Two things that changed. We didn't have social media when I played. Yeah. Because now guys are their own individual. They release information all the time. And not only that, we did not have uh, the concussion protocol when I played. Now, once these guys get uh, concussion, they have to sit out and go through all these tests. And not only that, now they have these 
They have a guaranteed contract. If you look at what Andrew Luck got, he got, you know, seventy million dollars guaranteed. Yeah. And then then somebody said, No, it wasn't seventy, it was eighty seven million. And they said, Really? Was it eighty? I mean, we were confused. <laughs> Once you get over, because I thought Sam Bradford, when he got $50 million guaranteed, mm-hmm. I thought that would be the highest ever. And I really believe Aaron Rodgers is going to sign an extension that's going to give him close to $100 million guaranteed. Yeah. So those kind of things, you know, it's all relative. Because I remember the guys that played in the 60s used to look at my contract and was like, whoa. <laughs> you know? So it's it's all relative, and I understand it. But at the same time, you know, players are now, especially fantasy football, is huge now. Yeah. So guys now are a little bit selfish, but for the most part, you can tell the team who play together; those are the team that normally win. And I mean, Leroy, you were you played smash mouth football. I mean, you played hard. Would you like to play in the NFL nowadays if you were coming into the game? Because it's a very pass-intensive league. I mean. Is this a league that Leroy Butler would like to get into and do it all over again? Absolutely. I'd get 10 interceptions every year <laughs> because it's all about the quarterback. Most of these guys, I think 10 or 12 guys every year will get 4,000 yards and maybe 25 to 30 touchdowns. They get a lot of interceptions, though. Yeah. They throw the ball a lot now. It's all about the quarterback. So, yeah, but when I played, everybody wanted to be balanced. You know, you – you would throw for 3,500, but you had a running back that would get you, you know, 1,400 yards. Now the, the, the running back is obsolete. Yeah. It's about receivers, offensive line, and your quarterback. Two quarterbacks winning the draft, one and two. Yeah. So you got to have a great quarterback to win in this league. And the Packers this season, Leroy, I mean, what are your predictions? Do you think, you know, it's Super Bowl is definitely on the cards that we can, we can you know, do the stretch? Or do you think there's those other factors behind all of this that the Packers really need to get together? Every time you win a Super Bowl, you get a five-year window. They won it, so they won it in 2010, Super Bowl 45. So the five-year window is this year, okay? So this should be the year that they go to the Super Bowl if they stay healthy. Without Jordan Nelson last year, it was going to be tough. If they can stay healthy, this is the year they'll go to the Super Bowl. Now, so I'm predicting them to be 11-5 and five and go to the Super Bowl and win it. If they don't, that's when people start to get a little restless because it'll be over six and a half years since you've won one. And if you look at the last eight to ten years, it's two or three teams or maybe even three or four teams who've repeated going to two Super Bowls. Yeah. You know, they won one, but they went to two of them. You know, if you look at Denver, if you look at uh, Seattle yeah. and New England, these teams, all they think about is going to the Super Bowl. So you got to be that team to stay relevant and get to the Super Bowl. When you got 13 championships total, yeah. all you talk about is the Super Bowl. So that's what Green Bay Packers, that's what our fans expect, and that's what the players expect. And would you subscribe to the opinion that, you know, the window is closing for Aaron Rodgers as he gets older? Again, he's still the best quarterback in the NFL, but the Packers do have that tight window and they need to make it happen when he's in his prime. Absolutely. But if you look at Aaron Rodgers, he's 32 years old. To me, he's really 29. The first three years of his career, he didn't play. He was learning behind Brett Favre. So he was just really just being on the JV team until he got to the varsity. Yeah. So with that being said, I am just thrilled to death that he can play another seven or eight years. Yeah. 
And I mean, let's go from one great man to the next. Uh, Leroy, you do an awful lot off the field, don't you, for charitable causes and trying to give back to the community. Can you give us kind of a flavor of what your day is filled with now outside your media? Yeah, quite a bit in the summer. I do a lot of speaking engagement, a lot of golf tournaments for, for a lot of charitable causes. Matter of fact, tomorrow we're doing a Relay for Life yeah. event. And then we're doing another event August the 2nd for another charity called Give Kids the World. Yeah. You know, I've done something for uh, Habitat for Humanity, another golf tournament. We're doing one for MSOE, another golf tournament. So, you know, as players, we try to make ourselves available so the fans can see us in the community and at the same time be available to continue the Green Bay Packer brand. We also came off a, uh, we had went on a Packer tour about about three weeks ago. Yeah. You know, you get six Packers, we go all around the state, and the Packer fan tour, it was exceptional. We had so much fun. That's excellent. And you know what? We're bringing our own Packers tour, and we're going over to see the Cowboys game. You wouldn't, by any chance, be around loitering around Lambeau Field, would you, when we go I over will. that time? I will. I definitely will be there. Well, can we buy yes. a pint? Well, I'll tell you what we can definitely do. I, remember, I, I don't drink, but y'all can definitely buy me a Shirley Temple. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's a deal. It's an absolute deal. Yep. I look forward to seeing you when you guys get here. This really made my day, and I really appreciate you guys over there in the U.K., and thank you so much for having me on your podcast.